Welcome, everyone. My name is Darren Snow, and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Amen. It's great to see you uh, this morning. He indeed is a good father. You may be seated. Uh, it's my joy and honor to welcome you to Crossroads Community Church. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. We're so grateful that you've joined us on our online platform. And our prayer is that this service and teaching uh, would draw you closer to the Lord, help you understand more about Him and who He is, and pray that it would be a blessing uh, to you. For those of you in the room, welcome. Uh, it's so good to have you. And uh, we are continuing in the book of Ephesians. So I want to invite you to go ahead and turn uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're new to Crossroads, we are in the home stretch of a 26-week series called Walking in the Light, where we are literally walking through every verse in this wonderful letter that Paul wrote from a Roman prison to the church at Ephesus. And the impact of this letter continues even today, some 2,000 years later, for you and I as we are examining it and learning so many great things about who our God is. Last week, Pastor turned the page and we journeyed into chapter 5 in Ephesians, and we saw the call to be imitators of God. That's the bottom line of it all, that we are to resemble Jesus in our lives each and every day, and that God has a standard of living for us. Even in our romantic relationships, God has a standard, and Pastor shared some about those different truths last week. I appreciate how he handled a sensitive topic last week, but thank you for coming back. And we are now going to continue. Uh, sometimes those sensitive topics, you never know. Uh, but hey, the truth is the truth. Uh, but now we're going to continue into verse 8, which we're going to see actually our theme verse for the title of the series. So we're going to jump right in and examine starting with verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what Paul said. For at one time you were darkness. I want you to underline you were. But now you are. And I think that's worth underlining as well. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And so what I love about what Paul does here is before he begins instructing us in this idea of walking as children of light, he starts with one of the most foundational aspects of our faith, and that is our identity, he wants you to see who you were and then now who you are because the way you live your Christian life is going to be more effective if your identity is in the right place, more specifically in the right person. Now, if you notice, he didn't say for once you walked in darkness, which you did, but he said you were darkness. I think the best and maybe simplest way to describe this idea of spiritual darkness is to describe it this way, that darkness is actually just the absence of light. So when he says you were darkness, it means that the light of Jesus Christ 
the Son of God was absent from your life. You were not living and existing for Jesus. Perhaps you didn't even know who he was, uh, know much about him. Maybe you were around the church. Maybe you grew up not around the church at all. But regardless of where your position was, before you come to know Jesus, you were darkness. The light of Jesus was absent from your life. But this amazing thing takes place when we come to know Jesus and we place our faith and trust in him. Now we become the light because of who is in us. And some of you needed to hear that this morning. Some of you needed to be reminded of who you are, that you are the light of Jesus. Because before you can walk in the light, you need to understand who you are. You see, our identity answers the question, why? When you wake up every single day, you have a why you exist. And for the Christian, the answer to why is Jesus, that we exist to live for him and to bring him glory in every area of our lives. That's why we exist. And when your identity is in Christ, you know that, and then you can walk that out. It's so important to understand your identity because identity precedes effective Christian living. So before you can live the Christian life effectively, you need to understand your why. You need to understand whose you are, that you belong to God, that you belong to Jesus. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Paul understood who he belonged to. Too. And for some of you, the waves of your circumstance are hitting you pretty hard this morning, but your circumstances being difficult are not necessarily a direct correlation to who you are. Sometimes those are just out of our control. But in order for you to walk as children of light, you need to be secure in who you are and who you belong to before you can walk this out. And the beauty of our identity being in Christ is that the Christian life is actually the life that is free. See, the world would describe the Christian life as an oppressive life. That it is this life where you're under all this direction and bondage of all these things that it's keeping you from all the fun in the world when actually the life apart from Christ, the life of darkness is the life of bondage because the Bible says we are slaves to sin, but who the sun sets free is free indeed. So the life of the Christian is one who is free. Now, what? why are we particularly free? What does that look like? It, it's because our lives are now aligned with the creator of the universe and his order. And when you're in darkness, you can't find hope and peace and joy, all the things that your soul truly longs for until you are aligned with the Creator. And you do not align with Him until you come through His Son. And once you're aligned with Him, now when our identity's right, we can walk this out. But I want you to see in verse 8 what Paul says. He reminds us not only of our identity, but the source of this light. He says, but now you are light in the Lord. So the source of our light is God himself, is the person of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus told his disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. That's not what you do. 
that's who you are. So that leads to point of truth number one. I think where it all begins this morning, and that's this. We possess the light of Christ. Now, the reason we possess the light of Christ is because we possess him. He belongs to us. We are his and he is ours. So you, you might ask a, a great question. Well, pastor, how do, I, how do I get the light of Christ in me? Well, it's about receiving him. You possess the light of Christ by receiving Christ himself, and this happens by faith. You place faith in what he has done. You don't work to achieve the light. You receive the light of Christ to live in you by faith in what he has done. And then we have this beautiful weapon of the word of God to come alongside us in this battle of life that the psalmist gave to us in Psalm 119 verse 105 when he wrote, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we have the light of Jesus in us, and then we have the word of God to light the way because so many people want to know what's God's will? Where do I go? What do I do? There's so much confusion, and the word of God is what lights the way. So why are so many Christians wondering and confused? How do I know where to go? It's because they're not in the word. I brought my favorite flashlight with me this morning. Uh, my dad bought this for me for Christmas many years ago, and I keep it in my car just right here handy in case I need it. I don't travel a lot at night, but it's one of those things you never know when you'll need it. Many of you have one of these. A lot of you don't know where it is at the moment, uh, but if you lose power, that's when you try to figure out where did I put the flashlight. Maybe you're really responsible and you know exactly where that flashlight is, but it's one of those things we don't pay a whole lot of attention to it until we need it. So for some of you, the power goes out, you find that flashlight, you press the button, and what happens? It doesn't work. And then we resolve to just things that don't make any sense. We hit the flashlight. Like, why won't, why won't you work? Well, it's because the batteries are dead, okay? It's very simple. Not the flashlight hates you. It needs batteries, okay? And so that's sometimes how we interact with things. But this can be very helpful. What I want you to see, though, is this flashlight possesses the ability to have light. It has that capability. But what now Paul is wanting us to see is not only what we are capable of because of Christ being in us, but we have some responsibility in this thing. It's not give your life to Jesus and then just sit back and go live your life and everything's perfect. No, no, no. When you become a follower of Jesus, now you have responsibility. And so what happens is for this to function the way it's supposed to, someone has to press the button. It's capable, but that's how our responsibility comes in as followers of Jesus. There are things you have to do. You've got to press the button, and that's our responsibility when it comes to the Word of God. Is the Bible a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path? Yes, but you have to learn it. You've got to put forth the effort, and when you do that, you will see the Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And now this world will start to make a whole lot more sense to you because the word of God is lighting the way in a confused world. But are you putting forth the effort to know who God is? Because if the Bible is stale and distant from you, you're not going to know which 
way to walk. Now, how can we be sure that we don't return to darkness because that's who we were? But how do we not ever go back to that because your old habits tend to creep back in? Well, Jesus answers that in John chapter 8, verse 12. Here's what he said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, see, there's your responsibility and my responsibility. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You you see the key? He is the light of the world, and the key is to following Jesus. And if you do that, Jesus promises you will not walk in darkness. So, Pastor, how do I never return to the way of darkness? You continue following Jesus, and you'll never go back. Will you have a bad moment here or there? Possibly. But if you find your identity in him and you let the word of God light your way, you will never again walk in darkness. And the tense of this verse reminds us this is a continual action. Following Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's continuous. It's daily. It continues to come back to these very simple truths. Now, what Paul's going to do in verse 10 in Ephesians 5, he's going to get a little more specific. So he's getting into more responsibilities as people who have an identity in Christ. We see the importance of his word to light the way. Now he's going to get more specific in the area of discernment, which is another responsibility that we have. Let's look at verse 10. He continues, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, here we go, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So now if we ask the question, what does it look like to walk as children of light? We know the word of God is going to light the way. But here now Paul is saying, if you're going to walk as children of light, you need to be a discerning people. Now we've learned some about this already in the book of Ephesians. But to remind you, discernment is a spiritual ability that the Holy Spirit gives to us and provides us to be able to differentiate between God's way and the world. Way. So in order to hear what the world is preaching and discern and compare it to what God is preaching, that is discernment. And it is the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to point to the lies versus point to the truth. And the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to discern and know the difference. But this requires some effort to discern you got to know the word to be able to discern the truth from the lies. You see what the enemy, you see why so many people have an issue just getting in the word and staying there? The enemy doesn't want you to know any more than you know now. But it's real interesting in verse 11, Paul doesn't mince any words. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. So again, what is darkness? It's the absence of light. And I would add to that the effort of darkness in this world is anything that stands in opposition to God. Anything that stands in opposition to God is a part of the effort of darkness. That's the system that the enemy is operating to try to get our attention and our affection 
off of God. So we become susceptible to the battle that we are in. But to not only not partake in these works of darkness, but to expose them. Now, that's where the word of God becomes really handy because in order to expose something in the darkness, you've got to shine the light on it, right? So if you've ever ever been in a completely dark room, it's kind of hard to navigate unless you're familiar with the room. So if it's me just trying to get out of the bedroom and not wake Tiffany up, if I wake up before her, I can kind of feel my way. I know where kind of things are positioned in the room. But if you've ever been in a place in complete darkness and you're unfamiliar, I've been in a literal cave before below the ground and you can't even see your hand in front of your face. That, that's nerve wracking because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know where to go. Am I going to fall off something? Is there a hole here or you know, whatever? So that becomes extremely uncomfortable. And that's what the enemy does for people who do not know Jesus. He wants the, the light to be absent from your life because really what's happening spiritually is you're trying to find your way through this life. And really it ends frustrating. You can't find peace. You can't find joy. You can't find hope. Why? Because the enemy is distorting everything. So you're in this dark place, but that's where we come in to shine the light of God's word because when that happened, now you can see where things are positioned in the room. Now you can see why things are the way they are. So when we put that Bible lens on and we look at the world, it all begins to make sense because the light exposes the darkness. Now you can see it. But the enemy's like, no, 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 don't pick up that Bible. It's old-fashioned, it's irrelevant, it's oppressive. No, 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 no. It lights the way to the Creator. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to pick it up. So at the end of the day, when he says in verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, to just give you a summary here, what is pleasing to the Lord is simply His children abiding in truth. And we imbibe in truth so we can light the way so other people can see. So again, we get into our responsibility as children of light, walking in that to know the word of God, that when we speak the truth in love, as Paul has already instructed us to do, we're actually exposing the darkness. And that is one of our responsibilities as a Christian. So it's not take the word of God and keep it all to yourself. Hide it. Don't say anything. No, no, no. We've got to shine that light of God's word because that's what exposes the attempts of darkness. And here's really what the effort of darkness is all about and why we need to be a discerning people. And here's a principle for you. God creates and the enemy confuses. God creates and the enemy confuses. That's what he does. God created everything and he made it good, but the enemy is distorting. He's confusing. So as someone who sees the world through the lens of the scripture, it's very easy to pick up on that where confusion and chaos ensue. That's the work of the enemy where there's peace, where there's hope, where there's joy. That should be a characteristic, the characteristics of the children of God. Can you see the difference? So you can see where the enemy's at work, where there's a lot of confusion. 
So what this comes down to is not only speaking truth in love, but it's our next point of truth. We possess the light of Christ, and then secondly, we judge according to the light. So this is a bit of what discernment is. It's us understanding how to judge the world according to the light. Now, the light is simply the truth of God from his word. Now, what the world will do is it will push back on this idea of judgment because obviously a dark world absent of the light of Jesus is not going to like an opposing view. So what the world will try to do with a view that opposes what the world is teaching is try to muzzle that view by saying you don't have a say because the Bible says judge not. You can't judge. Now, of course, the idea of that they don't know because it's taken out of context, but you can't know what you don't know. Now, what Jesus was teaching when he was instructing his disciples not to judge was that we do not judge as God's children from a position of authority because we are not the judge. So we are not about condemning people or judging them based on any authority, but rather we judge people and situations as a matter of responsibility. So as a Christian, I have the word of God and the ways of God. I judge situations and even people. That word judge simply means to examine a situation. I'm just examining situations. I'm discerning. I'm looking. Is this God's way or is it the world's way? I'm not looking to condemn anyone. An improper use of judgment would, to be, would be to make a judgment on someone based on anything other than their human made in the image of God. So if I'm putting people in categories based on where they live or what they look like, I mean, that's absolutely wrong and it always has been. So that's not what he's saying. But according to 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit of God knows everything. He searches the depths of everything. So as a Christian, I have that ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to examine situations so that I can see opportunities to speak the truth into people's lives. So we judge not people based on them and what they're doing or what they look like or where they live. We judge according to the light. We assess situations based on the truth of who God is and what he has provided for us in his Word, but you, have you ever wondered why there's so much hostility toward the opposing view? Why our world is growing more and more hostile toward Christians? Well, Jesus answered that for us in John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. Here's what he said This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because here's the reason their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Do you see the reason why there's so much hostility toward the truth of God and his word? It's because the world is in love with you want to make someone mad, tell them that. <laughs> so I don't advise you to just walk around and say, the reason you're mad is because you love darkness. That's what my pastor said. Don't, put, don't throw me under the bus. But it's true. But that's all of us, church. That's our story before we come to know Christ. 
And, and there's hardly some, anything that's more frustrating, maybe you've experienced this, than to be fully committed and in love with something or someone that you learn is not fully committed to love you back. That's devastating. That's heartbreaking. But that's our path to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we are in love with the world and its ways because we are fallen sinners. We're just following our flesh. We're caught up in the whirlpool of culture. We're just living life. But at some point, someone in your life brought the truth of the light of God's word. And it completely disrupted everything you knew, everything you believed. And at first, it creates hostility. But then the Holy Spirit goes to work on that heart and heart and you can see what what it was all along was God drawing you and leading you unto himself because the word of God shines light it exposes the darkness in our life and it's uncomfortable but that's the path to salvation that's God bringing you along but before we come to know Christ we're in love with the lies of this world And it shatters our worldview when we see things through God's eyes. And that can be frustrating. But here's literally what happens in verse 13 and 14, back in Ephesians chapter 5. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper. And arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. See, what happens is when you speak the truth and the word of God lights up a situation, now it's exposed. And, and, and what, do you, what do you do with that? It becomes visible. The reason God does this through his word is so the gospel can rise. So that people can see that we are sinners in need of a savior, but what Paul is teaching us as children of light is point of truth number three. We shine light on efforts of darkness. That's your responsibility. So did God put you on this planet to be quiet? He put you on this planet to shine light. And you shine light by speaking the truth in love. And this is necessary for the gospel to be seen. Because when someone's in darkness, absent of the light, and the light of the gospel is shown upon their lives, it's like, whoa, now I see what Jesus came to do. Now I see that there's a place for my broken heart to be mended. Now there's a place where I can find peace and hope and joy. Now I can be free from the bondage of sin and follow Jesus because who the sun sets free is free indeed. But if we're not shining the light, how is the darkness exposed? It doesn't mean that you're hateful to people. It doesn't mean that you yell at people or you try to preach at them, but sometimes it's a lot simpler than that. But you've got to understand what hangs in the balance for the potential of a conversation that you could have with someone about Jesus. And it's our final point of truth this morning, and it's this, the light of Christ is, rex- is resurrection light. So really what's at stake here is the potential spiritual resurrection of someone. So when your identity's in Christ, you see the path Paul's leading us in 
this morning. When you're secure in Christ, he is where your identity lies. You walk in the word of God, and then you use the word of God to shine light in the darkness, to drop those nuggets of truth. You can be loving, but just direct people toward Jesus. That has the potential of resurrection light, because that's why Jesus came. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's what God wants to do in and through you. Most of what God wants to do through us as children of light is not in this room on Sunday. My family and I enjoyed a vacation last week in Michigan, so we went through the main state of Michigan all the way to the northernmost part of Mackinac City, which was pretty cool. And then east of Mackinac City, in case you didn't know, is a pretty cool island. Uh, The only way to get there is by a ferry. So we ride the ferry over to the island. There are no automobiles allowed on this island at all. It's just, just a unique, really neat place. And so your only mode of transportation is the ferry to the island and then a bicycle or your feet or horses when you get there. It's pretty neat. And so we went and visited there, heard a lot about it, and wanted to go try it out. And when you land on the island, get off the ferry, everyone kind of is moving to their right. And I thought, okay, there was one place I wanted to go see, and that is this lookout called Arched Rock. And so when you get there, it's to the right where a lot of people are headed. And so we walked a little over a mile toward the lookout of Arch Rock. And then when you get to kind of the trailhead, there's a little sign that tells you it's over 200 steps up to the lookout. And so a lot of people are heading that way. The bicycles are flying past as we're walking through, enjoying the weather. I still can't believe it's 80 degrees in June, but hey, you know, Texas people just don't understand what that's like. So anyway, we're having a good time enjoying the weather. We get there, we climb to the top, and we put all this work in, a mile, 200 steps. It's not that much work, but you may ask, well, why all the effort? It's to see this view right here. This is the reason that we did it. And so when you get to the lookout, that's why all the effort, because you get that view. So at the end of the day, all of that effort went in to see God on display. That's what came to my mind. I'm like, wow, look at the Lord and what he has done. But you know, it hit me on the walk back. As we're making our way back to town to eat lunch, it's like, you know what? All of that effort, everyone's in a hurry to go get to that lookout. And as children of light, God doesn't always require us to do that much work. He may not be calling you to walk a mile and climb 200 stairs. Sometimes God is just leading you to walk across the street to your neighbor. Sometimes God's just leading you to engage that person in the grocery store or that person at the coffee shop. Sometimes God's leading you to engage people. So it's not that he's always calling us to do a lot. Sometimes the work comes to us. He's just wanting you to shine his light. So I want to invite a friend of mine, Felipe Pulgarin, up to the stage. I'll give him a hand as he comes, and we have a little conversation this morning. So Felipe, if you hadn't noticed, he was back here playing drums this morning, so we really appreciate the way he serves God in that. He's in a musical family, surprise Pastor Mike, our worship pastor's son, and his wife Olga, and so we love and appreciate their family and how they serve our church. So will you just tell everyone, you know, what grade you're in and, and how old you are? I'm a sophomore in high school, I'm going to be, and I'm 15 years old. Okay, so, you know, you can serve 
God at any age. God starts working young. Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So uh, God can do great things no matter of your age. And so the reason I wanted to have a conversation with Felipe this morning is because he has seen this exact idea at work in his life, this power of a simple invitation. And so I want you to share with us, Felipe, how you have seen an invitation of one person and how that potentially could even impact an entire family. All it takes for a whole family to be impacted by God is one person. What I've seen in my experiences is uh, one child, a daughter or a son, I invite them to church, they come, they get close with God, they believe in God, and they give their life to God. And now when they go home and tell their parents that I want to follow God, I want to live for Jesus, that hits a special part for parents. For parents seeing them grow up and then seeing them go into faith. I believe that everyone has heard of the gospel. Everyone knows who God is, who Jesus is. Everyone has heard it at some point. But as we grow up, some people stray far away and don't move forward with God. But when you see your child, your son or daughter, in with God and walking in faith, that picks you back up to go back, read the Bible, go back to church, pray, start family devotions once again, and just continue with the walk with God. Yeah, amen. So, you know, God's very creative how he reaches people. Um, but he is wanting us to do our part. He's wanting us to shine the light. We have to do something. So in Felipe's life, he's had to extend invitations to people. And, and we've seen that reach and extend to entire families. Um, so can you talk about the importance of the gospel in that, though? Um, something that you had mentioned earlier was, you know, not only it's about inviting them to church, but how the gospel is important in that. The gospel is very important. Um, to invite people, what I do, I spice it up a little bit. Okay. I like to, uh, as teenagers, uh, us teenagers, we don't find much things very interesting. So if you just say, hey, yo, you want to come to church? They're going to be like, okay, and what else? <laughs> so I like to tell people about the community they have, the Coleman's, how great they are, how funny Caleb is, and just how kind <laughs> Christian is. I like to talk about Corbin, how funny all his friends are, and how all together they cause so much chaos, but in the best way possible. <laughs> uh, I like to talk about all the times we play sports, go to retreats, the fun times together. But in the middle of all that, I tell them to listen twice as hard to the gospel of Jesus, Amen. to listen to the preacher to really personalize it all into their own life. Yeah, amen. I mean, that's the goal, right? <laughs> so it's like, come have fun. Oh, but by the way, you just might experience life change. Um, so listen, I, I appreciate his advice um, to his friends. And so could you help us then understand um, what advice would you give? So no matter what age you are as a Christian, people experience fear when it comes to inviting others. Um, and, and now in, in, in my 18th year of ministry and interacting with a lot of people, younger and older, when you ask people the question, what do you fear when it comes to inviting someone to church or telling someone about God? You know what? I've never heard in 18 years anything negative about God. It's always, well, I'm afraid or I have this. It, it's always an issue with us. I've never heard someone say, well, I don't think God can save that person. That's why I don't say anything. <laughs> You know why? Because we believe that. So if we believe that, why would we be not, uh, not be more bold? And listen, I'm speaking firsthand. I miss opportunities. I have a lot of regret all the time. 
So for someone, whether they're younger or older, could you share some advice uh, for us to help us understand how to deal with that fear and overcome it? Um, just speak from your heart. Speak truth. Speak what you see at the church. Don't make anything up. Don't lie. If you see people having fun, tell them about the fun you're having. If you see lives being changed, tell them those testimonies and tell them your own testimony. Yeah, absolutely. You know, God wants to use everyone, whether you're younger or whether you're older. Um, God wants to use you. Uh, so would y'all give him a hand? He's going to go back and play drums for us here in a minute. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Um, I mean, what, what a blessing it is. God is shining a bright light, not only in our student ministry as he is in so many areas, but seeing our students on mission uh, God at work in so many incredible ways, younger and older alike. So here's how I want to tie all this back in before we sing a final song of worship this morning. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, that walk and that climb up the stairs, maybe that's not the effort God's requiring. But what I do want you to see is that walk was worth it. Being able to see that in the picture doesn't really do it justice it was worth it to see God on display. So however far God is calling you to walk, whether it be open up your mouth in one of those situations I mentioned earlier to be inviting, engaging, and loving, whether it be your neighbor, the grocery store, or the coffee shop, however far God is asking you to walk, it'll be worth the effort. Because it is through shining your light that you can see God on display. And that's how we see him at work. But how can you see him at work if we keep our light to ourselves and we don't shine it bright in our world? So remember, we possess the light of Christ because we have Christ himself living in us. So go shine his light and shine it bright. And the reason we need to do this is because we're in the midst of a battle. We have people all around us in darkness. It doesn't mean they're in their basement and all black chanting or doing any, or maybe even saying, I worship Satan. They just don't know. The light is absent, but they need the people of God to rise up and do battle and shine the light, walk in the light by saying, hey, here's the truth. Speak the truth in love. Let's go to battle. Let's walk in the light. Let's shine our light because that's what God wants to do in us. Stand with us as we continue. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3 003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.